Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now here's your host, Dan Clark. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's an honor to be on this Influencers channel. And my, uh, my shout out to Jeff Spinard, who is the uh, owner, producer, creator of VoiceAmerica.com, who has the vision to figure out a way to scale our messages and our influence in the world to try and lift people up. For those of you who have uh, heard me speak and who are regulars and tuning into this live broadcast and then ordering it on demand as a podcast during the week, you know that one of my favorite lines and mission statements is that my purpose in speaking and writing and interacting with anyone, sharing a meal, going to dinner, going to a, a concert, is to end the evening, end the occasion, end the conversation with us departing saying, I like me best when I'm with you, I want to see you again. That promises to be the end result of today's show. Javon Hubbard is an ACE, ACE certified personal fitness trainer and an AHF certified holistic yoga specialist and the devoted mother to two special needs children. And you got to stay tuned because she has faced terrifying things in her life, one of which was being the daughter of a KKK grand dragon, a woman guilty of violence and a spiteful individual. And her story of resiliency and recovery and rehabilitation and finding the light and following the light is inspirational to all of us. And I can't wait for you to meet her. And here's Yvonne's story. But to set the tone as we usually do on this show, <clears throat> let me share a couple of my stories from my book, Story Power. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, my book, Soul Food, published by Health Communications out of Deerfield Beach, Florida, being the primary contributing author of The Chicken Soup for the Soul book series. Uh, Health Communications was that publisher, was our publisher, and they have published two of my books, giving me the uh, green light to to spearhead my own stories in, in a collection anthology book. And these two following stories are included in that book. Again, the name of the book is Soul Food, Health Communications is the publisher. I call this story Trials. And think about it in terms of laying a foundation for my, my interview with, with uh, Ms. Hubbard coming up. One day, a man who was not a believer in God stopped at the little gorge to talk to his blacksmith friend, who had recently become a believer in God. Sympathizing with the blacksmith in some of his current trials, the man said, it seems strange to me that so much affliction should come to you just at the time when you have become a believer I can't help wondering why it is. Huh. I have a lot of friends who ask that same question. The blacksmith answered, you see the raw iron I have here to make into horseshoes? You know what I do with it? I take a piece and heat it in the fire until it is red, almost white with the heat. 
Then I hammer it unmercifully to shape it as I know it should be shaped. Then I plunge it into a pail of cold water to temper it. Then I heat it again and hammer it some more, and this I do until it is finished. But sometimes I find a piece of iron that won't stand up under this treatment. The heat and the hammering and the cold water are too much for it, and it fails in the process. Then the blacksmith pointed to a heap of scrap iron that was near the door of his shop. When I get a piece that cannot take the temperatures and hammering, I throw it out on the scrap heap. It will never be good for anything. He finished his answer. I know that God has been holding me in the fires of affliction, and I have felt life's hammer upon me, but I don't mind. If only he can bring me to what I should be. Try me in any way you wish, Lord. Just don't throw me on the scrap heap. Hopefully that resonates with every single one of you who are tuned in today. And the flip side of that is we need to learn how to forgive the mistakes of others, beginning with forgiving ourselves. Do you not agree? The second promise story, Paul was nervous as he sat on the train. The old man sitting next to him sensed this. And he said, son, what's the matter with you? I just got out of prison, replied Paul. My mistake broke my parents' hearts and caused them a lot of shame. I don't know if they can love me after what I did. I never let them visit me in prison. I told them they didn't have to let me come home if they were too ashamed of me. I live in a small town with a large tree by the railroad tracks. I told them to tie a ribbon around that old tree if they were willing to let me get off. Paul paused as the old man listened, then continued. The reason I'm so nervous is that we're almost there and I'm scared to look at that tree. I feel I don't deserve my parents' forgiveness because I hurt them so much. Paul looked down with tears in his eyes in shame. Neither man spoke as the train slowed down to stop at the next station, Paul's hometown. Then the old man nudged him. I think you can look up now, son. Paul glanced up slowly. The old tree was covered with ribbons, red, blue, yellow, orange, and green, hundreds of them. With tears now streaming down his cheeks, Paul turned to the old man and he simply said, they still love me. I'm going home. How do you feel right now as far as, please, God, don't throw me on the scrap heap. Make it as tough as you possibly can, but just make it possible. Make it as impossible as you think it seems, but just make it possible. And when we start understanding the significance of those mindsets, first and foremost, you know, that's all you got. Get down, get knocked down seven times. Get up eight. Adversity is what introduces you to yourself. No one will ever know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. Once we have that mindset, it's amazing what happens in our lives and how we can actually transform our lives and take ourselves from where we are to where we know we need to be. So before I bring Ms. Hubbard on to the show, who is going to blow your minds, one of the most magnificent guests I've obviously had since I've been on the air, I want you to think about this for a moment and just imagine, if you will, that you're a leader, a manager, a mentor, or a coach. 
Imagine yourself as a therapist and a young woman comes into your office and starts to yell and cry and whine that the reason her life is out of control is because of her father, that her dear old dad is the cause of her pain and misery. What counsel would you give her? Would you suggest bringing in her father so you could begin treating him? It is only logical that if he is the cause of your of her woes, if you cure him, her pain should go away. Have you ever experienced a similar situation? Well, what I'm getting to is that too many of us get caught up in blaming and complaining others instead of taking personal responsibility and changing our lives, changing our stars, becoming the, the extraordinary human being that each of us was born to be. Taking full responsibility for your every thought and action means you must release all thoughts of blaming. Do you ever enjoy a brisk rampage on, of, of blame on the government or the terrorists or the Chinese or the oil companies for high gas prices or McDonald's for our obesity? When you stop and refine your thinking to take 100% responsibility, you realize that you're either participating in creating that situation or allowing it to continue. Experiencing harmony in our lives, which is law number eight from my book, The Art of Significance, Achieving the Level Beyond Success. Experiencing harmony also requires that you release all of your complaining. What have you recently complained about? And I ought to pause now and let you write it down, but after the show is off the air, I challenge you to take out a piece of paper and actually document what you've recently complained about. You see, in order to complain, you've got to have a reference point of something you want, an item or a situation that is better than what you have now or more desirable than what someone else has, something you have not been willing to risk creating. So you feel entitled to complain about it instead. Perhaps you've been complaining about your job. That would mean that you believe a better job than the one you have exists somewhere out there. Suppose you're complaining about your spouse or your partner. That simply means you believe there's a better spouse or partner somewhere out there waiting, looking for you. Think about it for a moment. What reasons do individuals cite which allow themselves to believe and think this way? Bottom line, when someone is complaining about something, it means they know there is something they can do about it because people don't usually complain about the things they cannot change. The ironic truth is the complainers usually whine and voice their complaints to those who can't do anything about the issues. In this mindset, my friends, I want to take our first break. And it's only a couple of minute commercial break so we can pay for this show. But I want you to think about what I just said and, and, the, and the mindset that I laid as a foundation for the upcoming interview. And to tease you once again so you go nowhere, so you invite your family and friends and coworkers around your computer, so you actually order this podcast on demand, you need to know a little bit about Javon Hubbard. She's my guest today for a reason. As I said earlier, she's had to face terrifying things. The daughter of a KKK grand dragon, a woman guilty of violence and a spiteful individual. Javon Hubbard is the mother of two special needs children, one biracial, whom she adopted as a baby. She suffers from PTS, but she's also a writer and a yoga teacher whose journey from hatred to love and optimism holds priceless lessons for all of us. 
Her new book talks about the hard-learned lessons in her life. I don't know if love is stronger than hate, but I have found hate to be exhausting, she says. Stay tuned. Let's go to commercial break, and I'll be back in just a minute with Siobhan Hubbard. Don't go anywhere. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you're an event meeting planner like me, you have two ongoing challenges. You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme. So your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit danclark.com. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. Welcome back, and I sure hope you were tuned in at the beginning of the show so you understand the significance of my guest who's going to take the entire hour. Javon Hubbard is an ACE, A-C-E certified personal fitness trainer and A-H-F certified holistic yoga specialist. And the devoted mother to two special needs children. I hope we can talk a little bit about that. What an awesome heart. As a child and young adult in the U.S. South, the United States, the southern states, struggling through the grips of poverty, Javon worked stints as a waitress, a wrestling valet. We need to hear about that. An aide to seniors and a magician's assistant. We need to hear about that. Her memoir, a new book, White Sheets to Brown Babies, came out in March of 2018, Sakshi Press, and it tells the story of her upbringing in a broken home headed, 
listen to this, headed in part by the Grand Dragon of the North Carolina faction of the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, and her eventual intentional break with the circumstances of her early life. She currently lives with her husband and her beautiful children in the great state of Tennessee. As I introduce the world, my world, my tribe to Javon, let me just make a statement very quickly because this is going to be the entire discussion with this amazing human being. There are four ways in which we learn, unlearn, and relearn that create and recreate our personal bias, our prejudice, our opinions, and behavior in politics, religion, race, gender, and social graces. So there's the ways of knowing, the ways of being, the ways of seeing, and the ways of acting and behaving. And once we understand those four ways in which we learn, unlearn, and relearn, the fascinating question to me, to you, to everyone on this planet is where, when, and from whom did you learn these beliefs and principles? Where, when, and from whom did you learn these qualities and virtues? Where, when, and from whom did you learn these attitudes and perspectives? Where, when, and from whom did you learn these standards and performance? Wow. Great well, questions. And now I turn the time over to Javon Hubbard. Are you Javon or are you Javon? What would you like me to call Javon, you? Javon. And thank you Javon. for having me, Dan. Oh, I love that Southern drawl. I should just let you talk all day. <laughs> So let's go back to the beginning, Javon. Talk to us about your earliest childhood memories growing up in North Carolina, and uh, and how were you raised, and what kind of an atmosphere were you raised? Well, I want to talk about how in the beginning, um, life was good. I, up until the time I was five years old, everything was normal on the surface. Uh, we lived right beside my grandparents. I'd take walks with my grandpa in the woods, and I had an innate sense within me that something greater than us, and you can call it God or whatever you want to call it, but when I was five, life kind of turned on a dime. Um, my dad started drinking heavily and having weekend parties that lasted all weekend long, loud country music, lots and lots of beer, and that was bad enough, but before too long, as I uh, write in the book White Sheets to Brown Babies, he started having initiations and cross burnings and clan rallies. It was very scary. Um, I remember the first time I, I saw these grown men all in these hooded <laughs> sheet-like gowns, um, taking oaths and performing weird rituals and oaths just to become a part of this group that I didn't understand anything about it. And um, I was just in kindergarten, and I had a little friend um, named Yanni. Um, She was a, a black girl, and she was my best friend. We did everything together, chose each other for field trips, chose each other for playtime, And one of the worst, first memories I have of that innocence being crushed and and, and that hardcore uh, indoctrination starting was on a day that my father had come to pick me up from school. And I can only assume he was able to see us out on the playground from, from the line because when I got in the car, 
he was angry. He had an open beer can between his legs, and he was angry, and he said, what in the world were you doing out there playing with that little, and I'm not going to say the word he said. And I didn't understand the word, um, the N-word. I, I didn't understand. I was five, you know, and I, and I said, what do well, you, you mean? Know, what, and he hit the steering wheel really hard with his fist, and he's like, I'm telling you right now, Javon, if I ever see you playing with and hugging up to a little inward again, I will bust your ass, and I'll burn a cross in her yard. Do you want me to burn a cross in her yard? And then I knew he was talking about Yanni. Because I'm like, aren't you talking about Yanni? I just started to cry. I I couldn't understand why my dad was so upset for me just playing with my friend. And I wouldn't understand until we got home, and I'm crying to my mom, and she's trying to explain as best she could, well, you know, your dad's in this group, and this is just his beliefs, and da-da-da, you know. But it was terrifying to me because I'd seen those crosses. It burned at rallies, and usually rallies were held to try to get more membership to the faction. Um, what year was this, Javon? We Go what, ahead. What, what year was this? That would have been 1980, 1981. Yeah. Wow, wow. <clears throat> and so um, we were at a rally at Stone Mountain, Georgia once, and they that, those were the largest crosses I'd ever seen burned. They had three huge ones burning, and the news showed up. They were going to, you know, try to film it, but the, the camera guy was black, and all the Klansmen surrounded that news van and would not let him out to do his job. I don't even remember how that got resolved. I just remember there was a big ruckus about it. So I saw stuff. I saw a lot of stuff like that. Wow. And about what... So so you just you were forbidden to interact with anybody from a different race. You were basically just started to be indoctrinated that the white supremacists are ruling the world and you shouldn't interact with anyone else just because of their color. Right. Well, he t- and he would tell me things in in childlike ways, I guess. Like he tried to instill the fear in me that I would catch a disease if I even touched <laughs> A person of color that they carried diseases and that and I can recall being so afraid you know because you <laughs> you believe your parents what they said that I would go wash my arm if I if I brushed up against you know if I made contact because he had me convinced that they carried diseases that was one of the first ways that he tried to get in my head with it um, and yeah he pretty much forbade me from doing anything where there might be people of color I was not allowed to uh, being join Girl Scouts, I was not allowed to uh, join a lot of school clubs. And his excuse was always that I I wasn't going to, you know, intermingle. And we had a pretty decent ratio uh, of black students in my school. Um, so it was how did you hard. how did you break to your best friend? It, it changed everything for me. Just in that I had no friends at school. I was ostracized mm-hmm. because of this strange behavior from me. <laughs> Uh, towards people of color, and then, you know, and the other white children even, you know, started calling me names like, well, she, you're weird, you're strange, you're, you know, and then not having anything to do with me. Wow. Yeah. So so when did you, um, how, how did this, how did this translate into violent behavior? 
Uh, it says in your in your bio, you're a woman guilty of violence, and on the phone, you sound so sweet and so amazing. <laughs> so teach us well, at what stage I saw in your a lot life? Of violence. Yeah. So so tell us about that experience. Okay. Well, some of the exploits that my father would do <laughs> were always like late at night, at midnight and a a.m. hours. He would pull stunts, criminal stunts and he would have my mom hold the steering wheel and tell me to lay back lay down in the back floorboard just lay down in the back floorboard and don't look up and on one of those occasions I heard gunfire so I, I, I raised up to look and he was riddling someone's car just bow, 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 bow. I saw that and on a separate occasion uh, it was lay down in the back floorboard and and then I hear this this glass crashing, and he had he had a Molotov cocktail. He had filled a glass bottle with gasoline, put a rag on the top of it, lit it, and threw it through the window of a person's home just because she had a black baby. Uh, so I saw that kind of violence from him. And I, growing up, in order to survive, I chose anger over over the weakness that I saw my mom exhibit. So it's like you see two examples in your life, and there's my father, always full of hate, angry, violent. That's not good. But then there's my mother, and she's just weak and whiny and complacent and crying. And she, you know, I wanted, I didn't want to be, you know, a doormat. So I used anger to survive for a while. And I guess I mimicked a lot of what I'd seen from him. And um, when I was an adolescent, um, I experienced sexual abuse, and mm. that's really when I got my most angry. After mm. that, I, I felt, I guess, betrayed even by the God that I believed in. Like, why? Why is life so hard? Why has it always been this way? Is this all there is to life, you know? And, and yeah, I had a lot of resentment and hostility for life just being one chaotic, dramatic, violent <laughs> day after the next. So how old were you when, so did you uh, do some time? Did you, were you arrested and actually incarcerated? I did, yeah. At when what I age was 19 was, what? years old, I, uh, I went to prison uh, just for goodness. five months. It was long enough to know I didn't want to go back. <laughs> and it, and uh, strangely enough, it was for just harassing phone calls. That's what that's what I was charged with. But I had done so much, you know. I honestly felt like I deserved to be there. And it wow. was it was one of those moments when I knew I didn't want life to continue the way it was going. I didn't know how to make it any different necessarily, but it, I was at my wit's end that this couldn't be all there was to life. There had to be better. There had to be. So, and I wasn't so going to stop till I found it. So you're, you're an extraordinary exception to the rule, Javon, because the recidivism rate in prisons is over 80%. They always return, and you did not. And I, you, I know. I, you, I, actually, there was a guard that said, oh, you'll be back. And I'm like, no, no, I won't. He goes, oh, they all say that. But yeah. I didn't. So let's so so teach us. So you stopped at some point in your life. You just stopped blaming and complaining, 
And I've spoken in prisons all over this country. And so often I hear the prisoners telling their side of the story. And basically, no matter what they've done or how much time they've already done, they still think they were innocent. (laughs) And here you are saying, wait a minute, I was... I was in prison and I stopped blaming, I stopped complaining, and I said, I'm going to take charge of my destiny. That's extraordinary. Teach us, did you remember the, what clicked inside of you? What, was there one significant emotional event that basically woke you up, shook you up, and said, hey, girl, you, gotta, you have a chance of a lifetime. You can live the, the, the life that you dream of instead of the life that's just left over. What happened? Do you, do you recall? Can we kind of piece that together? Yeah, actually, it was the birth of my son. Um, when I when I got out of prison um, and was trying to find my way in life and away from, you know, my parents, my family, because it was just a very dysfunctional setting all the way around. And it's hard because it's all you've ever known. It's all you've been used to. And unfortunately, um, I... My first husband was very uh, abusive towards me, but I had my son with him. And when my son was born, it's just that was that was what clicked. Because for one thing, my son was born really early. He was born at just five and a half months oh, along, wow. and he was not expected to even make it. And it was touch and go for like four months. He was in a neonatal intensive care unit mm. on a ventilator because his lungs were not; they were barely there barely developed, and having a little life, a life that's more important than your own, I mean, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about this little life that I had to give a better life to than I had had, and how was I going to do that, you know, and it may have all seemed impossible at the time, but that was, that was the event my son being born, and and knowing that my purpose was greater now than just me. Wow. And so you divorced your first husband? You got out of that, that brutal relationship? I actually left him standing on a bridge overpass. He, um, he often was very manipulative with the way he made me stay. He threatened to kill me, threatened to kill our son, said if I ever left, he'd hunt me down and I'd never see the baby again. All kinds of crazy stuff. But what had to happen for me in that situation was finally coming to the conclusion that, you know what, kill me. Death would be better than to continue living like this day in and day out. And I just said, he he threatened to jump out of the car and I said, have at it. He did. He went and run up and stood on an overpass, and I drove on by and left him standing there, threatening to jump. And I just didn't look back. I drove straight to, uh, back to North Carolina, where I was from, and um, to my mom and sister's house, who I had not seen in a couple of years, because, you know, one of my ex-husband's poise was to keep you separate and divided from anybody that could could help you, or family, anybody... Yeah. So, so your the, the the name of your book is White Sheets to Brown Babies. So, talk to us about yes. your your biracial child, and how okay. did that come well, a bit when you're when you're raised 
as the daughter of a grand dragon in the Ku Klux Klan and suddenly you say, I want to go adopt a biracial baby? <laughs> well, for one thing, racism, hatred for, for people, uh, that was never in my heart. That that was never in my true heart. I may have acted out to please my father. I may have acted out uh, and went along because I was afraid of him. But it was never, never truly in my heart anyway. And um, I was I felt led to adopt just in general from I felt like it was something that, that God wanted me to do because I felt, you know, I know what it's like to be... <laughs> just a child in this world, you didn't ask to be here, and you're just at the mercy of the adults, you know, and I felt like that I could give a child a better life, and so we we actually went through past training classes to be foster parents first through the Department of Children's Services, and um, it's strange because they say that you never get a baby, but I knew better. I mean, I just felt it within, and we got a call for a three-day-old baby, that had been taken at the hospital, and so uh, we picked we picked him up from the hospital, and he was biracial, beautiful, beautiful little baby, <laughs> and brought him home at three days old, and we were his foster parents for eleven months before we got to adopt him, and now he's almost fourteen years old. <laughs> wow! So it's just Very one of those cool. things. It to me that was that was just. A God moment. <laughs> that did you did you know he was biracial like that? Did you know he was biracial when you put in for an adoption, or did you just want uh, yes, a baby? They they told us over the phone that he was a, a biracial baby. Yes. Did you that have to have it, a moment of truth, or did it just sound like the right thing to do? It just it just sounded like the right thing to do. I I, I just didn't. There was no hesitation. <laughs> So people listening can actually ask themselves a question. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? Where, when, and from <laughs> whom did you learn these beliefs and principles? You don't have to answer that. I, I, I'm I try not, not to get political, it. but I'll say this. Um, yeah. I'm not in competition with anybody. I hope we all make it. Uh, yes. I feel like that humanity has more in we have more in common than we have different that's what's so funny to me about all the hatred and all the arguing and all the griping because we're all in this together it's the human condition and it doesn't matter what color you are how old you are where you're from i mean we're all in this together and i just don't i don't understand all the division um in fact that's that's why i felt like it was time for my story Because we need to come together. Our country needs to heal. We need to understand that we're more alike than we are different and that we're all in this together. And I don't think anything's going to change until we change our behaviors and realize that and try to come together in peace. Which begins by changing how we think and how we believe. I I love this, this conversation. You're so amazing. So you need to have gonna, an open mind. Uh, an open mind is capable of being educated. An open mind is, is capable of being changed if that's what it calls for. So I try absolutely. to stay open-minded. So I want to take one more commercial break and then take you all the way to the end of the show. But 
As we go to break, you don't have to answer these questions. I want to just pose them for all of our listeners. Again, I mentioned that, that we have four ways in which we learn, unlearn, and relearn. And Javon has been telling us that once we have a change of mindset, a change of heart, a change of attitude, once our attitude is right, our abilities and our behaviors will catch up. They will change as well. So ways of knowing our beliefs and principles. I want you to think of your think to yourself, listeners, if you are a Republican or you're a Democrat, who taught you that? Where did you learn to be a liberal or a conservative? And is it how you believe now or are you just checking the box because of the way you've been raised? Are you a Catholic, a Protestant? Are you, are you a member of Islam? Are you following Judaism? Whatever the case may be in a religious tradition, are you doing it just because your parents told you to? Or have you stopped long enough to pause and ask yourself the question, why do I believe this? And from whom did I learn it? And is it exactly the whole truth and everything but the truth, excuse me, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Interesting, interesting discussion. My guest is Javon Hubbard. Let's take a commercial break and we'll be right back. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. I just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been into space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number, 1-800-676-1121 and visit danclark.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to The Art of Significance, featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to Clark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark. 
Welcome back. I sure hope you've been a part of the entire hour show today. Javon Hubbard has been my guest. She's still here for the rest of the hour. And you just need to understand a little bit to put things into perspective that as a child and young adult in the the southern states, United States, she struggled through the grips of poverty, worked stints as a waitress, and as a wrestling valet which I want to find out about in one second. But it's all included in her memoir in her new book released March 2018. And the name of her book is White Sheets to Brown Babies because her father was the grand dragon of a North Carolina faction of the Ku Klux Klan, the KKK. And her eventual intentional break with the circumstances of her early life have uh, brought her to a magnificent place where she's changing the world. So we want to talk about your book before the the hour's over, but let's go back to what in the heck is a wrestling valet? It says that you're a yoga specialist and you're a personal fitness trainer. So apparently uh, wrestling valet is tied into fitness or something. Please explain. (laughs) Actually, wrestling valet is more entertainment. It was during a period of time in my early 20s, um, I, I did a few things like that. I worked with a magician, for one, as a magician's assistant, and we would travel around doing magic shows, birthday parties, events, and, and things like that. And kind of in those travels, uh, I was introduced into a, a local wrestling faction, uh, and one of the wrestlers there, he needed, uh, he was a heel, and he needed uh, a valet. You know, I was the one that led him out to the ring. I was the one that kicked his opponent in the stomach and raked their eyes if they got thrown outside the ring, you know. So that's what a wrestling valet does. She takes care of her wrestler. <laughs> we all, I can speak for every man listening to the show, we all need a wrestling valet, apparently. This is good news. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, the fit, but the fitness and the yoga, that, that's actually been more my path. Then, you know, it's my profession, and it's also my path. Uh, yoga and meditation, things like that have really helped me personally. And, and it's, it's a way of life for me as, in addition to things that I teach. Um, when you've had your, your mind uh, assaulted the way that it, my mind was from childhood all the way up to my early 20s, with just constant chaos and dysfunction and violence. It's the mind, in order to survive those sorts of things, sometimes there are breaks in the body. And I have suffered a lot with my health, things that are a direct result of just constant chronic stress, of just a result of the, of the life circumstances, um, for instance, I, I still suffer post-traumatic stress disorder to this day. Anxiety. Um, I have um, a heart issue. It's my heart. There's nothing wrong with my heart, but my adrenal glands and the autonomic nervous system. You know where the fight or flight response is. As I was told by my cardiologist, it's like it got stuck on fight or flight, and then. And my heart just races, like, so I'm on a beta blocker to keep my heart rate under control. And all these things that are like syndromes, you know, you've got fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome. I mean, I've really been through the ringer with my physical health only to really find that all of it was rooted in 
the abuse, the the mental and emotional, the everything I had been through it was kind of like leaving marks and scars. And so once I was in a position to change my life, because you can leave and you can get out of it, but you're 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 going to have scars. And so one of the ways that I dealt with all that was to get into yoga and fitness. And, you know, the way I see it, it's about backing the tracks up and healing the mind and healing yourself from within. And that's what really led me to choose that path and that profession. Wow, what a great, great story for all of us. So let's talk for a moment about your memoir, your White Sheets to Brown Babies book. Is it Sakshi? Yes. Is that how I say it? Sakshi, S-A-K-S-H-I yes. Press. So where do we find that book? How do we buy it? Is it available on Amazon, Kindle? What's the story? And let's yes. talk a little bit about what it, uh, what White it covers. Sheets to Brown Babies is available. It's available on Amazon as a paperback or as the ebook that you can get on Kindle and also at barnesandnoble.com. And you can follow me on Facebook, uh, Javon Hubbard at White Sheets to Brown Babies. And that's where all the things are posted. Uh, this, uh, you can even read the preface and a few pages of Chapter 1, I think, both on Amazon and uh, my page. Kind of get the gist of what you'd be getting into with the whole book. <laughs> it's a yeah. life's journey. And um, not an easy one. <laughs> no, no, no. And how old are you right now? Do you mind me asking that politically incorrect question? <laughs> <laughs> I am 44 years old. So you transformed and, your life from about age 22, 23 to 44. You completely turned it around. And now you're a best-selling author and you're just kind of launching your speaking career. How can people get a hold of you if they want to hire you as a, as a speaker to come in and inspire their people? Oh, you can email me at Sakshi, that's S-A-K-S-H-I, wellness at AOL.com. And Sakshi means the inner witness, <laughs> the inner observer, if you will. And that's why I picked the name for my business. Um, you have to be self-aware. I heard you speaking earlier in the show about taking personal responsibility. That's a big one. That's a big one, no, no matter what you've been through. You know, sure, as a child... The things that happened to me were not my fault. I did not ask for those things. But you can't go through life blaming your own behavior, your own actions when you're already an adult on those things because then you're, you're making a choice. You're making a choice to either keep doing the same thing over and over again that's not been working for you or you're making a choice to do better. And that does require personal accountability and a self-awareness and so I would encourage people that to look within themselves because that's where change has to start. <laughs> it has to start from the inside. So powerful. Let me put you on the heat seat, the hot seat, the heat seat. Listen to me. The hot seat, Javon. Here we go. I want to okay. ask you a couple of key questions. So off the air, you said you are with your third husband. You've been together now how many years? Ten. Ten years. Ten, ten years. And, you know, tongue-in-cheek, you said, I finally got it right this time. And I love that, and I understand, I think, what you're talking about. But let's explain to the, to the listeners 
What do you think it means getting it right the first time? What did you learn from two previous relationships that you wish you had have known that are now part of your, your, your lasting, wonderful, full, real love relationship with your current husband? Well, first of all, mutual respect. Respect and communication. Those are key to, to real love, and that's the thing, is the first two times around, I'm not certain that I even knew what love was. I had not received a whole bunch of it. <laughs> and therefore, you know, um, relationships can be hard, but you have to have respect and open communication. And I don't think I had ever respected anybody before. Maybe they hadn't given me reasons to. <laughs> but that this man I respect wholly and uh, love unconditionally. And that's the other thing. Love is when something is more important than yourself. You know, when when that person's happiness means more to you than your own. I mean, to me, that's... And the first time I ever felt that was with my son. You know, as I said earlier, um, my first son being born was really what was a turning point in my life because... Finally, I felt that love. I felt that unconditional love for something greater than myself. And I think that's the difference this this time around for me. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about <clears throat> about what what difference would you make in a corporate meeting in an association meeting? What's your dream audience to speak to so that we can see how we can help you? What, uh, okay. Well, my what, actually, what, my dream audience to speak to uh, might be um, Black Lives Matter, um, NAACP. I think that those groups would love to hear my story. I mean, because this is like where I'm coming from. That's like some of the scariest thing, you know, and to be able to to get an inside look at it and to hear from somebody that was on the inside of it, you know, I, w- I would love to bring my, my story to that format. And I have uh, spoken to uh, ladies that have been abused, um, you know, because I've been down that road with the domestic violence. So I've given talks locally um, on that issue, domestic violence, even speaking to uh, a police force trying to help them understand, you know, because they get a lot of calls for domestic violence, and that's it's probably the thing they get the most. And so I can speak on that. Um, the health issues um, and how they're related, the mind-body connection, um, I can speak to that. I've got so many things just from personal experience that I feel I could shed light on for people. And... Uh, that's what I'd like to do. That's the whole thing about the book is hoping to inspire people that all is not lost, even even if you were, as I was, born into bad circumstances, but both socioeconomically and uh, in a dysfunctional family. And my father was an alcoholic, and I and I that's I don't say that to excuse him. He always wanted to use that as an excuse for a lot of things, but. 
You know, so there were three different things going on. There's the alcoholism, the dysfunction, and the, the poverty associated with the, with the socioeconomic status I was born into. So I had to fight all those things to get to the other side. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there you have it. We're, we're talking to Javon Hubbard, and uh, her story is magnificent captured in her memoir. I love that that differentiator between a book and a memoir, your life story. White Sheets to Brown Babies and Sakshi Press. What does that word mean again? Sakshi means the inner witness, the, the inner observer that we all have inside us. That inner voice, if you will, that inner God that analyzes and observes for itself within the self. And I think we need to pay deeper attention to that self, especially when we're we're wanting to see things change, whether that's things changing in our personal life, things changing in the world. Um, You got to start with what's inside because a lot of times that's where the problem is. I heard you speaking on that earlier on the show. Uh, ways of knowing, ways of learning, ways of relearning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've definitely. been down that road, all of them. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So the last hot seat question, just uh, probably 60-second answer here before we go off the air. What's one thing, you're so inspirational, Javon, what's one thing that you would challenge all of us to do that you think we could do on a daily basis to start healing America? Think about, you don't know where a person has been. Be kind. Be kind and be open to people because everybody's got a story and you don't know what a person has been through. And be open to receive people authentically and I feel like we, we have so many barriers that we put up and, you know, expectations. And if people don't fit certain criteria, we don't give them a chance. But we're all in this together. I said that earlier, and I believe that. So be nice. Be nice and be open. I love it. It's that simple. So, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. It really yeah. is. I, you uh, know, in the book. White sheets to brown babies. I say, you know, I don't know. You hear that old cliche, love is stronger than hate. I said, I I don't necessarily, that's a precarious statement, but love is preferable to hate because it feels much better and it doesn't make you sick on the inside the way hate does. Yeah, and you said that you found hate to be exhausting. That's such a powerful quote. It it is. It's exhausting. I I mean, think about running around. With all this hate in your heart, shooting up cars, throwing Molotov cocktails, I mean, what kind of stress is there in that? I mean, you're constantly... Always on the run. It's just exhausting. Yes, I mean, ma'am. wouldn't it just be easier? I mean, life is short as it is, and it seems to me what a waste of life to just run around spewing hate and violence when we could, you don't when get we could, chance. When we could spread love and kindness... Yeah. Okay, my friend, Absolutely. let's end on that note. What a powerful interview. Javon Hubbard, 
And we appreciate you so much. Uh, and let's all go out and buy her book. It's available Amazon, Kindle, and at barnesandnobles.com. White Sheets to Brown Babies. Until we meet up again next week, this is Dan Clark, Influencers Channel on voiceamerica.com. If you want to join my tribe, danclark.com is my website. Remember our military troops and their families and our prayers. God bless America, and you have a great week. Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.